Revelation 12:11 And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to By the Word of Their Testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock. Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for joining me on the program again today. It's wonderful to have your company and so grateful that you've been able to tune in and listen to this program. I have a special guest in the studio. His name is Melvin Sandlin. Melvin, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. It's good to have you here. Now, I uh, was told of you by some friends of yours who Mm. had actually been on the program previously and shared their testimony. Uh, One of those was uh, Vincent, Mm. Morgan Vincent, that is. And uh, I'm really pleased that he's put me in touch. I've been able to have a little bit of a conversation with you before this program, Mm. and I am sure that uh, you've got a fascinating story to tell of how (laughs) the Lord has led and worked in your life. Mm. So uh, tell us, what are you currently doing? Uh, Currently, I'm here in Australia, but I'm not from here. I'm actually originally from Holland, uh, and I moved to Sweden afterwards because my wife is Swedish. Right. Uh, And here now we are volunteering in in Newcastle. Mm. We are volunteering at the church for six months. But now that we're about halfway, we liked it so much that we're actually looking into being able to extend our stay uh, a bit longer. Okay, fantastic. So you do some um, ministry work, uh, Mm. Bible work, and sharing the gospel with people in the Newcastle area. Yeah, just getting in touch with the community and the people there and providing with different events as well as Bible studies. And that is just amazing. Giving Bible studies with people is really Really cool. <laughs> yes, isn't it beautiful to to know the gospel and to be mm. able to share the gospel? Yeah. It is a life-transforming experience and a life-transforming knowledge. Yeah. Uh, and it's a knowledge, obviously, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We can get to know him intimately and personally. Exactly. Yeah, well, praise God for that. Uh, okay, you don't have a strong accent. Your accent almost suggests to me that it sounds maybe a little bit American. Hmm. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a combination. <laughs> I've accent, heard it before. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard like a mix of responses. Some people, like you, say, "Oh, you're from America," and then other people say, "Hi, here's some Scandinavian, even." Oh, yeah, I've heard that one. That was for the first time actually that I heard it. it was when I uh, when we lived here. So it was maybe in the last month or something. Uh, someone said Scandinavian accent. I was like, really. So those years that I've been living in in Sweden have apparently rubbed up sure. at least a little bit mm. so that someone here was able to identify it. Yes, yeah, sure. That definitely will happen. Uh, I'm South African born myself, but lived mm. in New Zealand uh, a number of times, but all up 23 years. So I've got a South African, New Zealand accent. Occasional word yeah. might be a little bit Australian. <laughs> but my wife, because we've been married 27 years, a lot of people actually say to her that sometimes she sounds South African. Oh, really? Although she's got no South African background whatsoever. That's funny. Yeah, so, yeah accents do rub off, yeah. and you've got a like, international accent, dare yeah. I say it. <laughs> Available to all people, Available or whatever you all. want to interpret it. And easy to understand, so praise That's God good. for that. Yeah. That's good. Right, so um, your testimony uh, starts in Holland, does it? Yeah, yeah, hmm. that's right. 
It was uh, during my upbringing. I have a Christian upbringing. Okay. Uh, even an Adventist upbringing because my parents are so many generation uh, Seventh-day Adventists. Okay. Um, so I was used to going to church on Saturdays. Mm. Um, but the church that we were going to in Amsterdam, mm. um, I didn't really feel at home there. It was. Okay. I thought it was a little bit boring. A lot of older people were there. Uh, not many young people. Young people were actually... And that's leaving. a common theme, isn't it, around yeah. uh, around the world and even across many denominations. There are so many churches nowadays that are closing down in Europe, yeah. even here in Australia. I've been in the uh, inner suburbs in Sydney and some places where the churches used to exist mm. now are either art galleries or they've been turned into cafes. Yeah. And it's just simply uh, older people there, yeah. young people weren't interested, and uh, they've just shut down. So yeah. there seems to be a common thread in first world countries of Christian churches closing down and people walking away from Christianity. Now, mm. I don't know if we've got time to unpack that today, but I know one thing. In the world where there's persecution, the church is thriving and growing mm. very well, thriving under persecution, believe yeah. it or not. So, yeah, interesting. That's probably a common theme, and yeah. maybe, dear listener, you might be experiencing that yourself. But remember, mm. our connection is primarily and first and foremost with God. Mm. To love the Lord your Amen. God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second, we should never put the second first. The second is like unto like you love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe God has called you to be that flame, that fire that will rekindle the passion amongst the people. It only takes one. Mm. The apostle Paul was only one man, and he he made did a marvelous work for the Lord and set the whole world on fire with the gospel, basically exactly. in, in his time. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, but keep on going. No, it's great. <laughs> yeah. I think part of my testimony is like very much. People can recognize themselves in it because I have talked to so many people and they can identify with at least big parts of my testimony. Excellent. And that is, yeah, to have a Christian background, mm. um, but to don't really feel at home in the church yeah. and to be looking for something else, but not really knowing what. Yeah, I stopped going like more and more. I at started, what age did you stop going? Well, it was about when I was 11. I, okay, so quite young. Well, yeah, Pre I, I, I wanted to stop going, but my parents, they saw that it was right for me to go to church. Or they were always, yeah, they, they wanted to take me Encouraging with. Encouraging you, yeah. Yeah, but I started faking more and more to have like stomach pain and being sick. And then it was Saturday morning, oh, mom, I'm not feeling well. I don't think I can go to church. <laughs> mm. But they would see right through it. But um, Yes, um, but at some point, my parents, when we were in Finland, this was for a conference uh, from the church, my parents were told that it was about small groups, and mm. they were interested in starting small groups in the church. But when we got there, it turned out to be about church planting. Oh, now, They were not per se interested in the idea of church planting, yeah. but during the week that we were there, God spoke to both my mom as well as a friend, and they believed that God told them to start a church in the city where we uh, where we lived, mm. just outside of Amsterdam. Okay. So they got together with their partners and another couple, and, well, this soon became a reality, and they started a church, a Seventh-day Adventist church. Um, but it was the way I look back at it now, I it was a Seventh-day Adventist church on paper, but not really in reality. Like it was part of the structure and organization. We had church on Saturday, but I didn't know anything about the Adventist identity. I didn't know about their beliefs. I didn't know about some of the things that I learn about now more and more. We never talked about any of those things. Right. Okay. Yeah. 
So I didn't per se have a strong connection to the Adventist church mm. or anything like that. So at some point, more and more, our church became inspired by other churches, other denominations, uh, applying their growth models and types of leadership and types of how to have church and all of this. So we were very much a very open, diverse kind of church. Okay. Um, so what would you have said united the people in that church? What was the, the, the common thread there? If it wasn't, was it doctrine or not necessarily no. doctrine? No. we Doctrine didn't. just means teaching, of course, the teachings of Jesus and yeah. teachings of the Bible. Yeah. I wouldn't say that that was like the main thing. It was good to be together. It was nice. And okay, I think, so social component. Yeah, that was a big, Friendship. big issue for it. Like it mm. was also the belief in God. Like okay. I, I never doubted that God existed. Right. And I'm very grateful for my upbringing in that way that mm. I've always been raised with the idea that God exists. Yes. And I've never doubted that. I've looked into arguments for and against, but I've, I've always come the to arguments the conclusion. Arguments for are much better than the arguments exactly. against. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I never doubted that reality, but I wasn't tied to a particular church. And when I started to be involved more and more in this particular church plant, I, I just noticed how much I loved the concept of, of church. I saw all the potential and I saw all the, how those other churches that we were learning from, how they were doing, how they were growing, how they were attracting young people. And I looked at our church and we were still small, it didn't grow that much. So I started developing more and more this passion for church and really this this idea of the church needs to grow just like those other churches. Hmm. So I've tried for many, many years to to do all kinds of things. I went to all kinds of conferences about leadership and bought almost all books that I could get. Right. So I was so inspired by by the idea of how to grow church in the way that they were growing church. Hmm. But then when I applied it to our church, it didn't work. So for okay. years I've been struggling and been wanting did, to do certain things. Did you know why it wasn't working? Well, I had an idea. Okay. And I looked at our church and I looked at their churches and I thought, what are we doing different? Why, is, why aren't we experiencing the same things as they are? Hmm. And then I thought, wait a minute, we're having church on Saturday and they're having church on Sunday. Right. That must be it. I thought that's the only difference. That must be the thing that, you know, that is why we don't experience this yeah. because people Pe might be busy. Busy or, on Saturdays. Yeah. Maybe Sunday's a more free day. Exactly. And, okay. Those were my thoughts. So I went to the, I actually went to the Bible and I started looking at arguments against the Sabbath, trying to get out of this, wow. this thing that okay. I was believing was holding us back from mm. our potential. You know, if you look for evidence quite often, you'll find it. Did you find evidence? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, that's what I thought at the time, just like you say. It's, yeah. When, you, when you're looking for something on purpose with, like, blindfolds on. Because you're not seeking with, the truth. You're just looking for exactly. evidence for your yes. newfound worldview. Yeah. Okay. And you can right. always... You can kind of always twist the Bible to whatever you, you want to. That's why there's 34,000 different denominations, exactly. Christian denominations. Yes. Yeah. So I tried to get out of it. I even did, I inspired my church to do a like mini survey in the neighborhood where we had church. So we went around with a small little group uh, door to door asking people. One of the questions was, what day would you, if you would go to church, what day would you want to go to church on? Hmm. And then we said Saturday or Sunday and then different times. And actually, the Sunday won. Now, okay. I took that, even though it was 
we interviewed, maybe we got like 12 responses and one person voted more for Sunday than Saturday. But it was enough for me. I was like, yes, this proves my point. Even though it was a weak argument, I thought, I'll take it. So I went to the board of the church and I said, we need to change our services to Sunday because the people that we claim that we want, that we want to reach, they say they want church on Sunday. But then they said, like, no, no, because the Sabbath, the Saturday, is the biblical day for us to go to church. Yeah. And I was like, what is this about? You know, why, why are these people so stuck in their ideas of how we are supposed to do church instead of looking at the world and seeing what they need mm. and trying to provide that need? So you're passionate for the Lord. You're passionate to grow the church. Yeah. But yet some of the teachings of the Bible and some of the teaching even of Christ mm. is not as important. Yeah. That's what I thought. Like, I was okay. thinking... But you're sincere at this time, right? Well, looking back, I can see that I was sincere for mission. Yes. Yes, because I believe that God gave us the mission to uh, baptize people and to go into all nations and to do mission. So that's a teaching of the Bible. So yeah. obviously you've, you've grasped that teaching. Yeah. But there's other teachings that are falling by the wayside at the time. Exactly. Okay. Like, I was just thinking, like, God gave us this instruction and... You know, we are just to go with this in mm. whatever means we think we can achieve this goal. You know, God is almost like letting go of this idea and saying, um, here you go. This is the mission. Do whatever you want to fulfill it. Yeah. So that was my idea. So at that point when the Sabbath became an issue, then I started to identify this to the Adventist church that, wait a minute, right. We are part of the, a church called the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and they believe in the Sabbath. So I started to identify them with Adventists, and I was like, oh, no, it's these people. They are so narrow-minded. Mm. So at some point I was like, okay, I don't really have anything that ties me to the Adventist Church. Why don't I become part of those other churches that I've been going to for years yeah. uh, in addition to my uh, Saturday church going? Okay. Uh, as well as I've been reading their so books. So your weekends were busy uh, on yeah. Sabbath and on Sundays. Yeah. yeah. So okay. I went to one of these popular churches in Amsterdam that was growing rapidly. Hmm. It's known worldwide. Uh, and they are attracting a lot of young people. So I became part of that church. Okay. Um, and I left the Adventist church. But then if we fast forward... Not sure exactly how long it was. So, so what age roughly was this when you left the Adventist church? Is this 11 or a little bit older? No, this was older. So I was part of that church for about 10 years. Okay, and so you were the, about 20, 21, somewhere around yeah. there. Okay. So over the course of those 10 years, I've been trying to do my best to grow the church and all of these things, and it didn't, didn't work. And then mm. I was like, ah, you know what? I'm done with Adventists. They are too narrow-minded. They don't want to go all in with the mission, uh, just like those other churches are doing. This was my idea at that time. Mm -hmm. So I became part of those other churches. But then I met someone special that God sent my way. Okay. And her name was Katja Alm, a Swedish woman yeah. who I met, uh, who came to Holland, which is a great story in itself, but I'll leave that for another time. Sure. So we got to meet, and she was an Adventist. So um, did you meet her at one of these church events or through the Adventist church or I met her through the Adventist church hmm. in a way that she and two of her friends they were going to go down to an event organized by the Adventist church in Holland uh, and they had their flight tickets and everything but just one week before they were going to go down there the event got canceled oh but they already had their tickets so they were like 
well, you know what? We might as well go to Holland and just be tourists. Hmm. So they contacted some people and they came to me um, and they asked if there was a place that I knew where they could stay for cheap. Uh, and I asked my parents if they could just stay with us and that was fine. So we had three, four days together and um, we were exploring the city and we were doing some fun tourist activities. And during this time, I really got to know her more and we had that spark and yeah, we really liked each other. So we kept in touch after they left. Mm. And uh, I praise God for that technology that we were able to Isn't keep in touch. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. yeah. And then three months, actually three months after we met, I, I moved to Sweden because things aligned in life. Uh, nothing really was holding me back to Holland. Mm. Uh, so I was thinking, you know what, I'm just going to go for this and hopefully it works out. Yeah. So, uh, so we were living together in, in Sweden at that time. And uh, she was an Adventist, so you know you don't want to you want to please the one that you're trying to impress. Right, sure. <laughs> so I joined her to the Adventist Church again, but mm. now it, my experience with the Adventist Church was even worse because I couldn't understand a single thing they were saying because it wasn't Swedish, a foreign language to you. Yeah. Okay. So that came on top of my experiences with Adventists that mm. I didn't really like, and I was like, oh man, this is just a waste of time. We we should go somewhere else and I tried to unpack my vision for church to Katja as well and after some time she she also got inspired to do things in the way that I had envisioned it and how I mm. believe church should be Now you guys aren't married at this time? No. Okay. When you say live together were you cohabitating or you were just sort of in the same house? Or? No, we were we were really living together. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, at that time. But still Christian? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was coming back to what you said earlier, like seeing some parts of the Bible, taking them, leaving yeah. out the other parts. Okay, I, I was really good at that. So <laughs> <laughs> Look, many of us are, and we all yeah. have blind spots. Yeah. Uh, so no, appreciate it, you sharing that. Yeah, Thank you. yeah. I'm. You know, I hope that people learn from it. Just yeah. for all the listeners out there, just trust what the Bible says when it talks about how to and deal see with God's relationships. Will. See God's will for your life and His teachings. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's not our will be done; mm, it's Thy will be done. Yeah. yeah. And it, it only leads to regrets. Like after some time of living together Isn't that true? and yes. things started sinking more and God convicted us of, of what the Bible says about living together and certain other things that are reserved for marriage. Mm. Uh, and then later we look back and now we regret the time that we sure. uh, But you can redeem the time moving forward. So. Exactly. I'm so <laughs> grateful that God doesn't hold those things against Amen. us yeah. and just forgives us and we His can move mercies forward. mercies are fresh and new yeah, every morning. Exactly. Yeah. But um, yeah, so at this time I was unpacking my vision for her and, um, and then she too became more inspired to, well, actually first she was also looking at the Adventist church through the glasses that I put on, you know, through mm. a certain lens. Right. And she started fault finding as well. She saw things that were not right. And, um, okay, so you evangelized her, but not in a good way necessarily. Yes, that's right. <laughs> okay. So she started noticing also these things more and more and I introduced her to to the churches that I'd been listening to a lot um, uh, online. So we mm. were listening to sermons and all of these things and music. And so we were getting more and more slowly outside the Adventist church. Uh, right. We tried actually for some time to introduce our ideas of what we had learned and how other churches were doing. We tried to again apply that to the Adventist church. So the, yeah. Just like I've been doing those 10 years before, I just thought, okay, you know what? We're going to try again. 
So we tried to change everything about the Adventist So the worship church. service, the worship style, the music, exactly. yeah. format. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So we tried to change everything, but it didn't work. Uh, first at the local church, it didn't work. And then we tried to actually start a church of our own uh, because people, young people that we talked to, they said they were missing certain things in the church. And when we presented like, hey, would you want to do it this way? They were like, yeah, that'd be great. So when we actually had it, they never really committed to it. So it, it became a bust. So that was wow. another disappointment for me. Mm. So yeah, that was when we kind of tried to change things in the Adventist church and it didn't work. And then again, this is in Sweden now, and you, you're yeah, starting to learn the language. I take by this time. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's true. <laughs> I spoke it more and more, but still, yeah, it, yeah, it, it was hard, especially mm. in the church with, with church terms, kind of, or things from the Bible. So, what language did you and Katia speak to each other? We spoke actually in English. English, okay. Yeah. Because I didn't speak Swedish, she didn't speak Dutch. Right. We just spoke in in English together. Um, but yeah, so when we when more and more she grew dissatisfied with the church as well, there came this point where we again left the Adventist church. So now together. Right. So now I wasn't on my own, and <laughs> now <laughs> I had taken her with me. And we were trying different things, like starting a church, and but nothing worked. And then we were like constantly thinking, like, what, what else, what is it that we're looking for? What, what are we supposed to do? What, what are we missing? Um, because this doesn't work and that doesn't work and what what does God want us to do? Mm. And then we found one of these popular churches in the city where we lived and we thought, you know what, we might as well just become part of a church that is already kind of established. Yeah, mm. established in the way that we envisioned and just be part of that. Mm. So we became part of this church and um, I found a place in the video team ministry, and we be, we built up this large social network. And we really had a good time. We thought that the services were great and so spirit-filled and all of these things. And then we mm. thought, this is probably what we've been missing, like the spiritual side. Mm. And I think a lot of people in our church, in the Adventist church, they, they f- miss out on the same thing. They believe that they want the spirit, just mm. like it is in all those other churches. Yeah. Now looking back, I can see that I, at least for me, I confused the spirit with feelings because okay. I thought when you feel good, that is when you're connected with God. That mm. is when the spirit moves in your heart. Right. Um, so could you work up that feeling to feel close to God of yourself? No. Okay. Not really. I uh, for so me, music was the music. You needed the, yeah. the, catal- the music as the catalyst. Yeah. Okay. And something that was really predominant in those churches was the type of preaching that that Adventists. I knew, or I heard indirectly, that people said that those were feel-good messages. Right. Now, I never really liked that term, and that was one of the reasons why I started to dislike Adventists more, is because they were but talking yeah. down. It seemed like. Uh, about other churches and that it was like feel-good messages. Hmm. Now, being part of this, these churches, I thought those sermons were great. I thought when we first came in, like, yes, this is inspiring and the preacher is screaming and passionate and this shows that, you know, people are passionate for God here. Right. Um, after some time, though, when we were part of this church, it was maybe... A year, year and a half or something that we started realizing more like, okay, now we've heard this type of sermon. 
can we go deeper? Can we have something more? We started feeling that, okay, there must be more than, mm. than what we're experiencing still. Okay. Even though I was now part of a church that I had dreamed about mm. for, for years, had tried to establish, mm. now we were part of it. But still there was something in me that was saying, this, there's more. Yeah. This is not it. Mm. And then we started looking at, okay, what then can it be? And we still actually thought that it was on the side of missing the Holy Spirit move. Okay. And um, I'll, I'll tell a bit more later about where, where that direction was, was taking us more. But first, just wanting to jump back a little bit to, to my experience with Adventists is that over the years that had grown so bad that <laughs> I did, I looked at certain Adventists and I this was often like secondhand information, things that I had not heard myself but heard from other people that Adventists would have claimed or said or these okay. kind of things. Yeah. So one of those things was um, that that they believed that they were a certain chosen church, and I was like. That sounds so arrogant. Oh, really? Like, what is up with this? Mm. Like, God would have one church, like, and it's you? Like, mm. man, mm. that is so arrogant. How, how can you say that? Yes. Um, and that was just one of the things that at that time I, I had heard, never understood, or actually heard properly in context. Mm. I took it out of context, and I t- held it against the Adventists. And actually, I didn't read the book of Revelation in the Bible because those Adventists, they were reading the book of Revelation. And I didn't want to become like those people. So you had a level of animosity towards the Adventist practices and their worldview and their Christian view. Even though I didn't, I barely knew anything about it. Just Mm. like one of the pioneers of the church. Oh, very much. Okay. Like one of the pioneers of the church uh, that had written a number of books I I was so against this person and their writing. Mm. I I didn't like I didn't want to hear anything about it because those Adventists were talking about about this person. Mm. Even though I never read a single line of of that work myself. Yeah. So this was kind of my attitude against the Adventists and my my rebellion against what I was growing up with and what this right. church had said and at the same time I searched for for something more for, that I could not yet identify mm. and then so you're hungering for a, something yes in your face so to speak is this Adventist Christian view mm. and Adventist information mm. but you're thinking okay I, I, I want something I want something more than I have now yeah. but this cannot be it mm. Because you have a hostility towards it. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I felt that, no, this is definitely not it because okay. I didn't like any of the things that they were standing for or at least in my understanding Understand. without zero research what I thought they were standing for. Okay. I well, didn't that's, a common, that. that's a common thing, isn't it? Yeah, I think I so. I mean, as a young person, I can relate to that as well because that was mm. common for me at some stages yeah. where I sort of had a uh, – uh, something that sort of pushed me away, but that was based not on a knowledge, not yeah. on me studying it and looking into it yeah. and being honest about it. Just simply, I didn't like it, so therefore it must yeah. be wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I found some things against one of those things that they were standing for, like the Sabbath. Uh, so that was not my track, I thought. Okay. Now, and if people were from the church were watching you yeah. at this time, right, going, 
oh, he's a troubled person. He's just going to make life difficulty for us. I wonder what – should people give up on some people, young mm. people like that? Because obviously your story changes at some yeah. stage. Uh, yeah. And I do want to hear that, but uh, we're just going to take a break here, dear listener. Uh, we're halfway through the program. I pray that you'll stay with us, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Thanks for joining me. A homeless man in Boston found a backpack in a mall containing more than $40,000 in cash and traveler's checks. They say honesty is the best policy. And the man contacted the police and turned in the bag. The man who lost it got his bag and all that money back. The police honored the finder, Glenn James, for what he had done. And then an online fund was started for him. And in just two days, it had raised over $90,000. A man with nothing found riches and gave them away, only to receive more than he could have ever imagined. That's how the good news works. When you give whatever you have to God, more than your assets, your heart and your mind, you end up with more than you had before. Peter, never afraid to give voice to what was on his mind, once asked Jesus, We have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? And in Matthew 19, 29, Jesus answered by saying, Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Nobody needs to feel as though making a decision for Jesus will ever be to their detriment. And in the same way, a person should never think that being honest will hurt. Jesus was clear, honor me and I'll honor you. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Let's not pretend that finding more than $40,000 wouldn't be a temptation. When the easy thing to do might have been to keep the cash and take care of some needs, it was the honest decision that brought real rewards. A decision for Jesus does the same, and whether or not you're better off in this world isn't the point. The greatest gift of all is eternal life, and that's coming soon. I'm John Bradshaw for It Is Written. Let's live today by every word. Dear listener, thank you for staying with us. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony, and my special guest in the studio is Melvin Sandlin. Now, Melvin, just before the break, you were telling us that you find yourself in a church which you enjoyed for a while. They were doing a lot of the things that you thought needed to be done for church growth and yeah. mission, um, a mission focus. Yeah. But you, after a year or so, find yourselves in a position where you're dissatisfied for some reason. You want something more. But you don't really seem to know what that more is. Right. And then right in your face, there's also this Adventist uh, church with their views of things. And uh, this cannot be it mm. simply because uh, a lot of the things they do don't actually attract you. They, they tend yeah. to push you away because you yeah. think they're wrong. Yeah. But you don't know why they're wrong. It's just except for your feelings. They don't feel right That's and they, right. Don't, they don't sit right with you. Yeah, I didn't understand anything about it. <laughs> right. Okay. So you're in this predicament at the moment. Mm. Um, what happens? How does yeah. this become resolved? Does it get resolved overnight or is it a journey? Well, it was a long journey. Still. Long journey. Yeah, okay. a very interesting one because we felt that we wanted more of the spirit. That was what we were missing in the Adventist church. Okay. That is why we went to those other churches. So like the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Mm. And that's at least what we described it as. Mm. Um, and But then we still felt like, yeah, like what you're saying, something is missing. And at this time, we talked with some people, and they they recommended us to watch some DVDs or documentaries about the Holy Spirit. So these were some documentaries where the filmmaker 
uh, claim to not have any script, no ideas, no nothing. We just give full access uh, to di- to be the director, uh, where the Holy Spirit would be the director. Oh, okay. So we watched, I think it was like three different documentaries from this person. And we thought they were so inspiring. We saw many different miracles, like healing miracles mm. and demons being driven out. And uh, all these things that we saw in the Bible, but also other things that we didn't see in the Bible that we were at first a little bit confused about, like mm. uh, people receiving golden teeth like out of nothing. Miraculously. Or, yeah, miraculously. Okay. Or where manna would appear in their Bibles. Wow. Um, or where or gold, gold dust. dust. Yeah, okay. exactly. And different <laughs> types of precious stones would appear during the service and all kinds of those kind of things. We didn't really know what to do with those things. Mm. But the other parts that we saw in the Bible, too, they really spoke to us. Yeah. So seeing people get healed and all of these things to be part of the Christian life, we thought, Yes, of course, mm, we should mm. see that because we read that in the book of Acts. We read it throughout the Bible where right. these miracles are happening. Mm. So this was actually our introduction. Well, that was funny that during this time, a friend of my wife, she actually sent a video that was on YouTube that she had seen and didn't know what to do with it. So she asked us, can you look at it and see what is this about? Is this good or not? And when we looked at it, this was like... A similar documentary where someone was going to the streets, healing people, driving out demons. All of these things were happening, spiritual manifestations. And the difference was that this was not in the United States, just like in the documentaries. This was happening in Denmark. And Denmark is very close to Sweden. And we thought, wow, are these things happening in a country like ours? Mm. Is that possible? So we started looking into these teachings from this person. And we just began to immerse ourselves in it. We just soaked up everything. And this person was sharing about how this should be the normal Christian life, that we should go out into the streets, people should get healed, uh, people should be freed from demons, and all of this should be part of your daily experience. Mm. And we were so intrigued. We really liked what he was saying. And we thought, this must be the thing that we were missing. Okay. So at some point, we, we felt like, okay, we want to do this too. And this person talks about being kick-started. So it's just like a motorbike where you need to kick-start your bike. Someone needs to help to start you up. And then, you know, things will run better from there. Yeah. So we thought, okay, how are we going to get started? And then one night we, we watched one of his teachings and he's, he made this appeal and saying, no matter what, find people who can help you to get started with this don't delay, do it now, all kinds of these kind of things. Mm. And we were like, okay, but then, you know what, the only people that we know where we can be certain that they can help us are those people in Denmark. So we actually decided that very evening, you know what, tomorrow morning, we're just going to drive down to Denmark. And we're just going to go there and see what happens. Mm. So that's exactly what we did. We booked a ferry ticket, and next morning we went away, and we were there for about three or four days and the the time there was was something different. Okay. We had never experienced something like that for ourselves. When we came there, we actually part of the reason why we also wanted to go there is because my wife is having a skin condition, eczema, uh, all over her body. It's mm. really itching. It's been like that for ten years. It's been horrible. Right. And these people, they heal other people 
in their daily life. So we thought, great, we'll have them pray for her and she'll be healed too. And we get to experience what it's like to do these things that they are doing. Yeah. So that was our mind when we came there. So when we were there, they prayed for her, but nothing happened. Hmm. And we were like, hmm, okay. And then they said, um, maybe it's time for some heavier measures. We were like, okay, what do you mean? They're like, well, come, we'll go to a different room. And there they put her in a chair, and we were standing around her, and we were praying for her. Hmm. And they they said, uh, or they were then starting to pray also in tongues, okay. in the way that other churches uh, interpret the gift of tongues. Yeah. Um, so they were doing that. And all of a sudden, when one of them prayed for freedom, my wife, my her face just changed her facial expression yeah contorted yeah it was like as if she wanted to escape and then she pushed back more and more in the chair as if she wanted to escape those words up to the point where when you push the whole time you get lower and lower in your chair and eventually she ended up on the floor and as she was on the floor and we were praying she started moving around in like snake movements and she be- she was strong it she became a bit more violent, mm. and all three of us would need to hold her down. So there's three with you, three of yeah. you in okay. All three of you are praying. Yeah. Mm. So we were praying. We were holding her down, and well, this was what what we believed, and I still believe it that this was demon possession mm. because my wife would never do something like that herself. Sure, sure. Uh, and the scary part of it was, at some point, actually, just like I had seen in all the horror movies I watched before. Um, that she opened her vo- her, her mouth and a deep, dark voice came out. Mm. And it started saying about how she was not loved and how, how they had uh, the right to be uh, with her and that she would be sick because they had that right to be there and all of these things. And my eyes just got wide open. We're like, whoa, this is real. Mm. Like the spiritual war is real. Yes. yeah. So we started praying, and this went on for about two, three hours, mm. this this wrestling match and this praying and all of this. And um, at the end, she still was not healed. So we thought— the, like, And uh, did the demonics, did the demons leave? Well, it it, it, it ended they in stopped, a they stopped bit manifesting. strange way. Yeah, it just calmed down a bit after I told her that I loved her. And all of these things, I just looked at her and talked positive, loving words to her. Mm. And things has died down. Um, so we didn't know what to do with this. There was no clear something that a demon would have left or yeah. she wasn't healed. So we were like, what to do with And this? the other two people in the room with you yeah. as well, did they have experience and knowledge in this? Was there any advice they were offering at the time? Or? They were just saying that this is what can happen. Like okay. So this yeah, was this not is, unusual for them. No, maybe it went on longer than they normally do. Mm. But yeah, this, you know, the driving out demons, as they say, yeah. this is what they are used to. Uh, but we didn't really know what to do with it. We kind of thought at that time, like, wow, this was great. Now we have seen what was the cause of this problem. Okay. Uh, so now things will get better. Mm. And then also during this time, um, my wife was encouraged by them to to speak in tongues herself. And uh, they prayed for her, and she opened her mouth, and sounds of words just gushed out without her... Trying. Yeah, without her trying. Okay. So she was speaking in tongues in the way that, that they are too. Hmm. 
Um, and then they asked me if I had ever spoken in tongues. And I was like, well, no, not really. Like, I've tried because in the small group of that popular church that we were part of, they were also speaking in tongues. And I gave it a shot sometime, but didn't really feel that it worked. Um, but then I said, I oh, will pray for you, too. So I was standing there. They were praying for me. And I was kind of nervous, excited, thinking, like, OK, I'm going to have the same experience as, as Katya. And I'm also going to be filled with the Spirit, you know. But then nothing happened. And uh, I was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, am I doing something wrong? And I said, no, just just start with the sounds that come up in your mind. Just say them, mm. and things will go from there. So I did that, and, well, yeah, things went from there. It didn't feel to me like this was, like, a supernatural, spirit-filled. Oh, it was mechanical. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I, they said just continue to practice and over time it will get better so i thought okay i'll do that um and then we went out to the streets because that was also still part of the reason why we were there and we were praying for people and well yeah pain left people said like when Mm. we prayed for them they they claimed to be healed so we thought wow this is amazing so now we've experienced this demon possession we've experienced healing we're speaking in tongues and it's your wife Oh, so your girlfriend, Katia, has she yeah. still got eczema? Now, yeah. She still yeah. has it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're working on it. Right. But, okay. uh, <laughs> but that didn't help, uh, apparently, those days in Denmark. Right. But when we came back home, we started living this life more, and we actually went out to the streets, and people got healed and all of these things. Mm. And then there was this event in, in Stockholm called Awakening Europe, and this was like a multi-denominational gathering. Uh, everyone was there. Catholics were there, Protestants, evangelicals, everyone. And what united everything was this type of lifestyle, the miracles, the healings, the spiritual manifestations. So we were thousands of people in this big arena, Mm. and we thought this was incredible. We saw people, it was a bit weird, but we had gotten used to it by by that time, that people were rolling on the floor and laughing and Speaking in tongues, people claimed to be healed, scars disappeared, all of these things. Wow. So we thought, this is great. This is the life, you know, that, that we're supposed to live. Hmm. So we. So were, you, did you at this time feel that the thing that was missing, you have found? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It didn't sound 100% it, convincing, but you, it, yes, what you thought. This, was, yeah, this at, must at be this it. At this time, this was so captivating. This was okay. so new that we thought, This has yes, got to be it. This you know, is it. We're seeing evidence. Okay. People say that they're healed, so, you know, that must be it. Yeah. Um, so we we continued this lifestyle. We continued listening to the teachings of this this man from Denmark. Mm. But then at some point, everything changed. Yeah? Yeah. The, this person, he claimed that in order to be saved, you need to speak in tongues. Okay. Now, when he said this, we knew that this is not biblical. So how did you know that it wasn't biblical? Because, I don't know. <laughs> did, did you had you studied that before? No. Was it something that just stayed with you? I previously? think it has stayed with me. Also from a sermon that I had heard sometime about this mm. uh, in a non-Adventist church. But this person was also talking about that. Yes, yeah, some people claim this, and he talked about this. But we just knew that no, God would not do that because mm. also our own experience of how hard it was to really speak in tongues and all these things. We thought, no, this can't be true. Mm. Now the the thing is that we had been hearing quite a number of times things where where different pastors or leaders or whatever in the church 
would contradict each other because we were listening to so many different churches at that time. Right. We were just taking everything in from everywhere, and mm. and we just based it on well, their church is growing, things are happening, so what they must be doing must be the right way. God must be blessing because else the church wouldn't grow. Well, there's miracles to prove it. Isn't yeah, it? exactly. So we thought, well, God is with them, so you know we can trust mm. what they're saying. But this thing about the speaking in tongues yeah. and him claiming that's the way to be saved yeah. that. Somehow you didn't seem believe that was right. No, that was so strange because mm. the rest, when they would contradict each other, we were able to like let it go and not make sure. a big deal out of it. Okay. We were like, you know what unites us is more than what divides us. Sure. And uh, you're saying although you didn't have a study on that, um, mm. I'm just thinking straight away of yeah. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, where it says, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. So there's a there's an mm. order there. So mm. apostles first, then prophets, then teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, then helps, then administrations, and then varieties of tongues. Mm. Right. So tongues is the last. It's the least important out of all of these, but yeah. they seem to be emphasized by certain yeah. sectors of Christianity. Yeah. And then it's, the question is asked in verse 29 of 1 Corinthians 12, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts mm. of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? Mm. So the question is no, not everybody does this. Mm. Um, so, okay, this is the, yeah. the Bible. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. But somehow something's convicting you that yeah. this doesn't, doesn't sound right. That's right. Okay. So that shifted everything because then we were like, okay, but if this is not right, then what else that we've been taking in from this person? Mm. What else is not right? And what about our experiences? Because we've been talking in tongues. Is that even true? And all of a sudden we started questioning things. Like what about those churches that, that say the same thing or yeah. these or that? And everything just became so confusing and we started to doubt everything. Mm. Like what? We came down to the question, what is truth? We thought, wow, what a good there question. Is a God, yeah. If there is a God who made everything and all of this, no matter what our opinions are, no matter what we say, there must be a truth. Mm. There must be something that God stands for. There must be something that the word says is the right way. Yes. So then we did something that I had never done before. I just, we, we laid aside, aside our own experiences. We laid aside our ideas of what we wanted to be true, our, the teachings we've been listening to, and what this church said, what that church said, and this movement, and this and that. We just said, okay, we're going to lay everything on the table, and we're going to ask God, what is your truth? Mm. So we opened the Bible, and for the first time, I was really looking into the Bible without my own agenda except for I want the truth. So you're seeking God's will us. for the first time in yeah. his teachings yeah, without your own agenda. Well, praise God. It's, it's taken a while to get there, isn't it? Oh, man, it was quite a detour. <laughs> Some people take longer. So praise yeah. God that you got there when you did. You know, I always say like, God was not the one leading us because he would have led us to truth from the beginning and not to mm. error. Sure. But he has always been with us. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for that. And so basically, you stopped taking detours, basically. Yeah, at this point. Yeah, yeah. We finally came to the Bible and we were like, God, now we want to hear from you. Mm. We don't want to just hear from this group and that group and tradition and experience the feeling, this and that. We just want to hear, what do you say? Mm. So we started studying about a number of topics, one of them being the Sabbath. So I actually went down my little list with arguments that I used to have against the Sabbath. Yeah. And now I was looking in light of really like the Bible and wanting to find truth. Mm. And here we found that 
the Bible speaks that we should keep the Sabbath. Yeah. So all of a sudden, those arguments that I used to have against it, they were almost turned around, and some of them even advocated more for the Sabbath uh, rather than against it. Yeah. Well, the spirit of the truth that God promises, yeah. you know, the comfort of the spirit of the yeah. truth, Jesus said, will lead us into all truth. If we're only willing to surrender our own agenda and see exactly. God's will and his agenda. Yeah. And there's only three things in the Bible that the Bible actually says is truth. So the hmm. first one is, you know, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, John 14, verse 6. Yeah. The other one, Jesus, in his, uh, in his prayer in John chapter 17 and verse 17, sanctify them by thy truth, thy word is That's truth. truth. Yeah. And then the other one is thy law is truth, which mm. we find in Psalms 119, verses 142. Those mm. are the only three definitions. So yeah. the fourth commandment, part of the Ten Commandments, yeah. thy law is truth, obviously has to be truth as yeah. well. Hmm, yeah, we started exploring this more, and as we discovered more and more different truths for ourselves, all of a sudden we realized, wait a minute, this is what the Adventist Church is teaching, and I was not happy to oh, come really? to that conclusion. Yeah, because I had left the Adventist Church. I I thought how, it was how long, boring. How and long since you'd actually left? How, how old would you be around this time now? Well, since we actually left the church, this was about two years later. Okay. But you'd like left that. and come and gone and exactly. you know, from the age of 11, basically. And I it? never really had my feet solid in the Adventist church. Sure. Uh, our church, the church plant, was always like a bit of a mix. It was more like any regular other church from mm. any other denomination rather than a Sabbath-keeping Seventh-day Adventist church. Right. Um, but I wasn't happy because my picture of Adventists was so wrong, was so bad, as well as my experiences in the church uh, with Adventists. I thought it was boring. Your experience people, told you that these people could not be right. There was oh, no way. I thought, no, are we going to go back to this church? But then I thought, or then we thought, well, you know, the Bible does teach these truths, and they are the only ones that are teaching these things. Mm. So where else are we going to go? Mm. So, but you're not you're feeling enthusiastic about the truth you've learned. You're just feeling yeah. unenthusiastic about the fact that that truth was in the church that you'd left because you didn't exactly, like it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So okay. we needed to step over our pride and say, like, "Guess who's back?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we were back. And um, you know, the amazing thing is that the truth really sets free. Mm. And I started noticing over the course of well, whatever time, even up to today, how more and more God is really transforming my heart. And things that I used to like, I don't like. Mm. uh, Because, well, just to come right to the point, I was very worldly. I was very influenced by things of the world. So you were a worldly Christian? Oh, very much. Mm. Very much. That was what my whole search kind of was based on and my ideas and all of these things. So um, now finally God is more and more, you know, scraping off those worldly traits and those desires and passions and more and more aiming them to be godly. Mm. And that is also when I start enjoying this church more and more. Wow. And that is something I've noticed still. But one of the things is that when we came back to the Adventist church, we thought, okay, now we've finally found what we were looking for all the time. Mm. And now we're finally with people who, you know, think the same who want the same things. And this was back in Sweden. Mm. So when we finally came to the church, we noticed, wait a minute, where are all these people? A lot of these people that we thought were like against our thinking and were like real Adventists and all of these things that that I didn't used to like, they were kind of rare. People who actually believe these truths of the Bible, even within their own church. So it was quite 
a shock to us that we found so many people. So when God shifted your worldview in regards to the truth, hmm. he shifted you back into the church, but he also shifted your view of what you considered all people were like in that church yeah. as well. You just realize that they are filled with the same kind of people, sinful, yeah. helpless, dependent, yeah. and many of them actually don't have a walk with the Lord either. Exactly. Dare I be so frank and say that? Yeah. But that's the truth, isn't well, it? That was my Cultural story. Christians. Like, Cultural Christians. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was... I was so captivated by church and and knowing that God exists. So you're getting a buzz out of the truth. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. But I thought that for all those years, I thought this is what Christianity is about. But then when I finally found the truth and f- then looked back, I saw I haven't had a personal relationship with God wow. during this whole time. Mm. I was just in love with the idea of church, with the idea of well, when you believe in God, you're supposed to go to church. So mm. I want to be in a place that I love. So we'll make it a place that I love. Yeah. And but well, did you also like the idea of power and influence? Well, yes. Yeah. That actually was part of it. Yeah. Because I mean, if you have power, you can perform miracles. You have influence. Mm. You can bring more people into exactly. the church. You know. Yeah. So, but then I noticed that man, I've been missing out on a relationship, personal relationship wow. with God. But this was the shocking thing. Us, we found this in, with so many people who we talked to, Adventists, mm. who were on the same track as we were on, wow. leaving the church for the same reasons that we did. Mm. So then at some point we were like, God, how can we help these people? How can we? What can we do with the truths that you have revealed to us? How mm. can we share them with others? And then all of a sudden in my wife's head popped up, like maybe we can write blog posts. I was like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. So then all of a sudden in my mind popped up a website called thechristianlife.com. Okay. And I shared it with Katya and I said, yeah, it just popped in my mind. And we both had a laugh because, you know, millions of Christians around the world, of course, the website thechristianlife.com would be taken. Well, mm. I looked and actually it wasn't. It was for sale for a couple of thousand dollars, money that we didn't have and didn't intend to invest but I thought, you know what, let me just send an email to the owner and see whatever happens, happens. And, and long story short, this person gave us the website for free. So we thought, wow, this is amazing. This must be God's provision. Mm. So we started writing blog posts, making this website. And then on top of that, at some point we did uh, started doing a YouTube ministry which was so amazing because when we thought of the idea of doing a YouTube ministry, uh, my wife, again, this is, listeners, marry a godly woman. <laughs> Amen. It will be a blessing. Yeah. She, she thought of, hey, didn't you already have a YouTube channel from like years ago? Hmm. I was like, yeah, I think so. And when I looked, I finally I recovered my password and all of these things. And, and I looked and I had a video on there that I made to a song where I put some lyrics to it. And that one had like 30 million views. And the channel... Oh, wow. And the channel had 50,000 subscribers. Because I just had a song there. So then we just thought, wow, God has set this up. We're reaching the people that we want to reach with these amazing truths, people Mm. who who don't know these things yet. We want to share it with them. So we turned it into our YouTube channel. Now we have like 70,000 subscribers to make weekly videos. Things are going great. And we just get so much response from people who who are really being helped by what we are sharing, how we're sharing it, because we know where they are. And, And it's just so amazing. It's such a blessing and really proves that God can use whatever story that we're going through. 
no matter what it is, God can use it for good and for His glory. Amen. And I just praise God for that. Yeah, praise God. Well, dear listener, we're just going to take a short break here. We'll be right back after we've shared our contact details with you. Stay tuned. Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249733456. Or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Well, dear listener, if you have any questions, I hope you've taken those contact details uh, down. And feel free to contact us at any time if you have any questions regarding Melvin's testimony. And also, if people want to um, know a little bit more, they can go onto YouTube and they can type in The Christian Life. Yeah. And look for you. You can subscribe. It's uh, it's got 70,000. I think 70.1 thousand (laughs) Could subscribers, be. yeah, and obviously be growing. And also, they can go on to thechristianlife.com and they can find mm. out there. And there's some music on there as well. You're a musician, yeah? No, no, far oh, from it. Okay, but, but the, I'm great. I'm very grateful that God has placed the gift of music in other mm. people still. Okay. <laughs> well, in our remaining minute, uh, yeah, what does God place in your heart? What would you like to say to those listening? Well, something that I just found so important is that it can look like you're a Christian, like even to yourself. Mm. That's what it's been for me for so many years. And you go through the motions of Christianity, the things that you were brought up in. You go to church and all of these things. You have your ideas of what God is like. But nothing will be better. Nothing is better than actually looking in the Bible and seeing what he says Mm. and shaping your life to what God says instead of having your life and then trying to add God here and there a little bit. But to have God, his truth, to change your life, mm. man, there's nothing else that can make you happier than that. Yeah, And amen. that's just something that we are trying to communicate in different areas, different truths, to make them relevant mm. and to see how can we apply them to our lives. Why did Jesus say these things? Why does the Bible say this? And even if it doesn't feel nice in the beginning, maybe it's just part of the process. And yeah. just follow the truth. Good feelings will follow. Mm, God wants you to feel the fruit good of the too. spirit obviously comes, but truth you, first, and it will really and it the will truth make a will difference. Set, set you free. Amen. Well, thank you so much, uh, Melvin, for coming to share your testimony. I've been so blessed by it, and dear listener, I pray that you've been blessed as well and been encouraged to seek the truth, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Be a disciple. Discipleship is so important and lacking in so many churches. Be a disciple and seek the truth of God as taught in his word, taught by Christ. It was the Holy Spirit that inspired the Old and New Testament, but this is the Spirit of Christ and he's worked through his holy apostles and prophets. We look forward to catching up with you next time. And until then, God bless. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.